Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, August 4th, 2020. I'm Gavin Picking, a software consultant for Order Solutions, and you are... Eric Peterson, another software consultant for Otis Solutions. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. For those watching live, thanks for joining the chat. Uh, those listening to the podcast, you're important too. Um, okay, before we start off, we always like to thank our sponsors because without Order Solutions, our boss, uh, we wouldn't be able to make this podcast. So um, one of the ways you can say thank you to our sponsors is uh, getting live training from them. So we offer live trainings uh, in person usually, but after the pandemic. Uh, in the meantime, we're doing uh, workshops coming this August. We'll give two new workshops that we'll be releasing. And CFCast.com is alive now with lots of great content, some free and some paid. And we release more every week. Right, Eric? That's right. We'll go over that in our new section. Yep. Very cool. Okay, now uh, we also have some Patreon support, so uh, we want to thank uh, all of those great people that are supporting us on Patreon.com, and we're almost at 60% fully funded for this podcast, so order, you can put more of their money towards the open source projects that you love, like Callbox, Testbox, Forgebox, and the rest, but uh, Patreon's uh, supporting this podcast almost at 60%, so thank you everybody, and we'll thank them individually later in the show. Okay, so let's get into some news. So, one pretty big important thing uh, is Luis has finally cooked Coldbox 6. That's right. Coldbox 6 has been in a release candidate for a while. Uh, tickets are all um, closed out, resolved. And, in fact, Coldbox 6 is powering a lot of the order sites already. Has been for a month or so. So, this is a pretty stable release. Yep, it's been a long time coming. Uh, a lot of great stuff in there. I know we're looking forward to a lot of the completable futures and some of the the tasks and scheduling and, and a lot of those things. But uh, a lot of a lot of tickets involved in that release, so uh, we're really excited about that. Yeah. So I would say, don't let the major version number scare you. You know, I took it to a project, went through the migration guide. And uh, didn't have any issues. Everything deployed fine. Took me, I think, 30 minutes. So, Very cool. Yep, uh, that's one thing. Uh, we try and make sure those migration guides are up to date and you know give you all the bits and pieces you need to be able to get to the next version. So don't wait too long because the longer you wait, the more versions you have to go through. Uh, that definitely is an issue. And you miss out on all that goodness we, we spent so much time putting into it. So... And I'm pretty excited about all the new features. We've been bugging Luis for a while. So it's finally done and ready to go. We have a couple workshop dates announced for this month in August. We have a command box workshop led by Brad Wood. That will be the last week of August, the 27th and 28th, the two-day workshop. And then we have a one-day workshop led by John Clausen on containerizing CFML applications. That one will be on August 20th. Yep. You can find uh, information on both those on the Ordis website and Actually, sign I, up. To I don't even think it's there yet. So we've got, we've got oh. links that we'll share shortly for Eventbrite. But yeah, this is so hot off the press. We haven't even got the, up, the website updated just yet. So um, yep, but we'll give you all those details in the conference section a little later. But yeah. 
So hopefully, by the time you listen to this on the podcast, they'll be updated. We're just that fast. Yep. It happens a lot. We get a lot of news on this podcast before the blogs come out, to be honest, for even even some other things. But uh, speaking of blog posts, uh, Fusion Reactor blogged about uh, Adobe Cold Fusion's 25th birthday, which we announced a couple weeks back, and they're doing a 25% discount. So in the month of August, you can get 25% discount on uh, Adobe Cold Fusion standard and enterprise versions. So pretty neat. Um, yeah, so basically if you go onto their website, we'll share the link here as well. Oh, you already have. Good job, Eric. <laughs> but uh, you can basically get that discount. So um, it's pretty neat. So Yeah, thank you, Fusion Reactor. Yep. Uh, in case you missed it, there was an Ordis webinar last week. Uh, it was by Grant Copley on injecting dependencies with Wirebox. So that is already up on CFCast. We'll put the link in the show notes. You can go watch all of the previous Ordis webinars for free on CFCast. Yep. That was a, a good one, too. And it's nice to have a new member of our, our team doing a presentation, too. It's, I always find that when a newer person presents on something, they always share those gotchas they just had. And if you've been using something for a while, you forget all those little things that used to bite you. And so uh, it's always good to get fresh blood doing the presentations. I know you feel the same way with your QB and quit products. Uh, someone else does a presentation. They'll you know, point out something that you don't even think about because you wrote it. <laughs> so. Yeah, Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to attend a like a conference session on somebody talking about QB and be like, oh yeah, I guess that is a thing. We can make that better, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, online CF meetup is back. Charlie's got a, a another meetup scheduled here. I know he's got a few more coming up, but the next one's with uh, one of my good friends, Brian Class, and it is called "I Didn't Know S3 Could Do That." So uh, he presented um, this or a similar one at Into the Box, and it was a great session, and he's been working on a blog series we've been talking about. So it's a really, really great uh, session. Definitely recommend it. But he talks about a lot more than just uploading files to S3 and making static sites. You know, talks about right. uh, life cycles and, uh, you know, metadata and a lot of different things that people don't even know were available. And I know that some of the storage types, uh, a lot of us heard of Glacier and everything, but there's like, four or five extra storage types that people didn't realize. So uh, highly recommend that session. And uh, Charlie's a, a great host. And of course, they always have time for questions at the end as well. So if you if you want to ask a few more things about that, definitely check that out. And Brian's website, we actually have a blog post from him we'll talk about later, but you can see all the other S3 related blog posts on the site too. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. He's the AWS expert in our community. So... Yeah, so that's uh, this Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Yep. And if you go to meetup.com slash coldfusionmeetup, you can see, the, I think it's 625 episodes now Ooh. or something silly. So they've got all the recordings up on YouTube. So if you do miss it, it'll be available. Um, so check that out later, too. So uh, meta question, is this the first one that's going to be on Zoom? Because I think I remember hearing they were moving to Zoom. Ah, I'm not sure actually. It's Charlie uh, in the chat, Charlie, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be good to know for sure. I know they're looking at, uh, yeah, moving to Zoom and doing a few other things just to give a little bit more life into it. So uh, definitely want to check that out. Okay. Um, another, in case you missed it, was 
there was an Adobe webinar on a bird's eye view of PMT architecture and how to harness its true potential. So that happened this last week, and we have a link that you can go and uh, review that if you missed it. Yep, and I think we have a few more coming up here. Um, maybe they changed the date, because I, I saw on, online that um, there's going to be one more from Rashif um, on Adobe ColdFusion 2020, but I can't find it on their site anymore, so maybe they changed the date. We'll have to get back to you on that one. But there was supposed to be a new one. Um, maybe it's only for pre-release, but I thought I saw it pop up on on their Facebook account, but it's gone now, so hmm. interesting. Anyway, I'm sure they'll have another one soon if they change the date. So, okay. So, now we get to CFCast content update. So, you want to give us a a breakdown of all the new content we have there. Yeah, we have seven new videos in this last week. We've talked about the injecting dependencies with Wirebox webinar that was up. There are two new series on what's new in QB8 and what's new in QB4. And we added two more videos to our Coldbox Masterclass on event-driven programming and listening to events. So a lot of content for one week. So... Yep, I know, and there's more coming. Uh, we've all got our little uh, list of things we're working on in our series. I've got to get my VS Code one out because everyone keeps asking about that one. So That's right. So yep. if you have suggestions, you can send them in on our support page. Um, and otherwise, let us know what you're liking. Yep. Okay. So next up on the list, we have conferences. So uh, last week, uh, we announced the jconf.dev, which is a Java conference, which is going online on September 30th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. And if you register early by 4, August 15th, um, they say they're going to send you a full box of goodies, a swag box. So they're only the first 500. So um, I'm kind of curious. Do we know if that's been like used up? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm thinking I should sign up just to see what swag they're sending because um, <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Maybe I'll register after the podcast here. So we'll see if, uh, if you guys beat me to it. But it looks like a good uh, a good conference. Uh, Vincat is there. So that's uh, Brad and uh, Luis's little hero. Uh, uh, a lot of great content from him. And there's a lot of other great uh, Java developers uh, speaking there too. So definitely check that one out. And again, they're all free, uh, which is nice. Okay, so a little more information on those uh, workshops that we have this month. So, as we mentioned, Brad Wood is leading a two-day workshop, August 27th and 28th, and it's from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, Pacific time, so adjust for your central or eastern time frames. Uh, and the cost for that is $8.99, and so um, that is available up on Eventbrite, and so I'm going to post a link for that right now. And then the other one is John Clawson, and this is just a one-day workshop, so this is the, the normal workshop that we do prior to Into the Box. And so that one is going to be a one-day workshop, a lot of great content for that. Uh, and the price for this one, since it's a one-day, is $4.99. The price for the other is $8.99 for the two-day workshop. So um, that is going to be August 20th, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time as well. So... Um, the event page uh, should be getting updated. Let's see if they've done it yet. Not quite yet. 
So uh, that should be updated soon, but we have the links there uh, on the show notes and we're pasting them inside of the chat as well. So one thing to, to know as well is that the time zones that we do here, at least are general workshops, and we actually had some, uh, some interest from some people in Europe. So Brad actually might be doing another command box workshop in a European time zone. So as long as we get enough people to do the workshop, we can make it work. So if you have a company or maybe there's a few people from different companies that want a workshop, we can do them in your time zone. We just have to obviously plan for it and make sure we have the minimum number to make it worthwhile for us. And usually there's a minimum of three attendees, I think. Um, and so uh, there may be another workshop for command box, and a more European-friendly time zone. So Brad will be up late. You guys can be up at your normal time uh, doing that workshop. So uh, we're just confirming the dates for that one. But if you guys are interested too, let us know. And same thing with other workshops. Uh, we can adjust time zones to, to make it work as long as there's enough people willing to do that. Um, so Yeah, and when you're signing up for these, pod, uh, for these uh, workshops, you can use the code PODCAST10 and get 10% off that price. Yep, uh, definitely worth saving some money there, and we want to say thank you for listening, so that's our little gift to you. Cool. Uh, the next thing is we have Adobe Confusion certification online. Um, so they just announced this a couple of weeks back, and so you can do everything online, all the videos, watch all the materials, and then you even have the online testing as well. So there's a, a short blog post on the coldfusion.adobe.com site about it, and then you can uh, find out a lot more about it through the adobe.com cold fusion page there as well so speaking of adobe cold fusion we've got some dates finally for the cf summit list. so uh hasn't been officially announced via blog but it is up on the cf summit website and that is november 17th through the 19th so it's online and free so everyone can uh go attend that one um please register as soon as you can. And then speaker sign up is available too. So if you're thinking about uh, presenting at CF Summit or you'd like to, um, they're accepting um, sessions right now. And the deadline is August 15th. So you got what, a week and a bit. So I think it's a week Friday is the deadline. So that's a, that's a quick one. Yep, I think they they waited so long to figure out what they were doing. They need to get that rushed out. So you know, if you want to, someone tell Brad because he always waits to the last minute. He's gonna miss this one. Yep, he's on vacation. <laughs> he has time to do it, right, Brad? I expect at least <laughs> at least at least twelve to fifteen. Nolan's gonna beat you at twenty, but it's okay. So and then <laughs> so that'll be um, yeah, November seventeenth through the nineteenth. I guess that's the week before Thanksgiving, is it? I believe so. Yep, that would be the week before Thanksgiving. So that would be a good way to have a nice lazy week before the Thanksgiving week. So some good content should be there. So very cool. And obviously the blog post will be out next week because we beat the news again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so CF Camp, we're still waiting on, on information from that, but... Don't worry. Uh, we'll we'll let you know as soon as we know something else. Okay. It seems like at this point we might be looking more at a CF Camp 2021 announcement. So. Yep. Okay. Let's look at the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. We got some uh, good ones in here. So let's start with James Moberg dealing with Unicode strings. They're always fun, right? <laughs> I think being uh, based in the U.S., I sometimes 
have the privilege of not thinking about this as much, but there's a lot of stuff in our applications that need to handle Unicode, and I don't think in Unicode enough. That's what this blog post taught me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm looking at these examples. I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, so he's talking about using a J Unity code, a Java port of the text Unity code Perl module. Um, but he says he struggled for years um, to work with this. But uh, he does have a demo script out there for you guys to have a look at and and play with it. And he, there's definitely some interesting characters that he's messing with. So the funny thing was, I saw him tweet about this uh, blog post, and then he wrote a tweet where um, he used the same library, I think, to convert his tweet into foreign-looking characters. So he got normal characters and then used a foreign version of that that character to make it look like it was all you know a different language but it was just english they're just special looking characters you know <laughs> so it's really weird but huh. yeah it threw me for a minute I'm like what the heck is he doing but he was just having some fun so um yeah definitely look through this and you know check out the the unicode um the j unicode module um definitely if you need to mess with that uh it sounds like a good way to go um but yeah it does this one here is interesting though, because it just goes back to the seven-bit ASCII, so it strips all the the special marks. Which is, like I said, I didn't even know what some of these meant. Like this here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to deal with that that much. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Okay, so we had a couple of blog posts um, from you as well about some of the releases we've had lately. So. You had one about Quick 4.0. Yeah, so Quick and QB both got a major release bump. And this is one of those weird things with semantic versioning. Um, I actually, like, waffled back on forth because I don't think it will break anyone's application or because nobody used it like this. But technically it could. So I decided to be semantic with semantic versioning. Um, But... Don't let the big number make you think there's a bunch of changes. Like I've dropped it into my applications and I didn't have to change a thing. So, yep. So we had uh, that was the quick 4.0, and then you also had the QB8 as well. Yeah, yeah. The main thing was uh, in QB we use a function called when to do kind of a functional if chaining, so you don't have to stop, start an if statement, all that. And uh, inside those callbacks now all of the constraints you add are scoped. So if you add something like username equals this or email equals this, it will put parentheses around it. Before you had to do that manually and I would forget all the time to do it manually. (laughs) Um, It it bubbles up to quick as well with scopes and some of the relationship constraints like where has, again, places where you already had a, uh, uh, callback function so it looked like it should be grouped but it wasn't now uh, now it is so that's technically the breaking change if you were relying on it and you wanted all those ors at the top level um, but nobody really wants that that's always the bug right yeah where you have a bunch of ands and then you have an or at the bottom and you realize now that all of the list is an or <laughs> so yeah um so that's the change again i I have not heard a single person that this is a breaking change for, but we bumped it anyway. So you can go check out both those blog posts about that. That's the biggest change. It honestly will probably just save you hours of debugging time. 
And of course, those are the new videos you released around that on CFCast too, right? Yeah, for our CFCast members, you can go take a look at the changes uh, in video form and see it up on the screen, see the sequels generating. Uh, Quick shows a little application for its new relationship counts feature. So it's pretty cool. Any new features that are added, uh, we're going to put up some videos for as well. So you can always go read the docs, see the blog posts, but if you prefer learning via screencasts you can do that now as well very cool so we had a blog from fusion reactor as well and so this is a more of a an issue where the query plan does not work in cursor mode with microsoft sql server so um i guess you get some null pointer exceptions showing up and so they talk about the investigation and solution so if you're getting some weird null pointer errors um, when, when you know, basically trying to do the query plan, if you're using Microsoft SQL Server, this might be, might be the issue you're running into, and there's some issues here um, or some solution options for you there too. So um, these are the versions it's it's affected by and everything, but um, it's one of those things. Now the that, the cursor select that's when the database like keeps a handle on where it is in the results, so you can kind of keep grabbing results. Is that correct? I think so. So I, I I don't is that exposed in Cold Fusion anywhere? I know Lucy Six seemed to have a uh, way to do it, but I don't know of that being exposed. Yeah, I mean it's it's a new blog post, but it sounds like it's for older versions of of Cold Fusion and even the the version it is. So like it's for fusion reactor six so i think we're up to seven and eight for most people so if you've got an older version this is something that might might bite you so again a lot of people probably doesn't matter but it's one of those things where it's useful if you run into the error you know that could save you because debugging that stuff is crazy i hate null pointer exceptions me too especially when it's in java land because <laughs> It's usually deep into something. I mean, this is from a JDPC driver. I'm not digging into that. Yeah. Okay. So next up, we have some from Brian Class. So again, we mentioned he's got this beyond the basics of using AWS S3 and CFML, which is a great series. Um, and he's talking about editing tags and using S3 object metadata. So in the last one, he talked about how you can add metadata and how those tags are used. It's pretty neat because you can use them as cost centers and all sorts of filtering. Um, but in here, he talks about updating those in S3 and how to go about doing that. And uh, as we mentioned, he's using the Java SDK. And so the, the Java SDK is pretty powerful. Everything you need can be accessed through there. And so all those examples show you how to use that from ColdFusion. Um, but so it talks about using tags versus metadata here. And like I said, he's going the presentation this week uh, for the CF online meetup. So definitely re recommend checking that out. Um, and if you go to his main part of the site, uh, you'll see that he's got quite a few of the S3 blog posts recently. Um, really, really good blog posts. Uh, Dan there's a lot more than I thought he's getting up there. And then, um, yeah, he also did some last year working through step functions and that was about 16 blog posts in that series. So he's got a lot of great content. If you want to get up to speed on AWS, I definitely recommend it. So that's brianclass.net. So thanks Brian for sharing that. And we should definitely check out his uh, session at the online meetup. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, next we've talked about this already with 
Cold Fusion Summit call for speakers is now open. So there's a blog post announcing that. Remember that you have till August 15th to submit those topics. Yep. So definitely get in there. And if you're worried about uh, presenting, you haven't presented before, doing an online version is much easier. You don't have to actually stand in front of, you know, 50, 200 people or whatever number it is. So you can just, you know, speak to your computer and that can be a good way to get started with speaking. Um, once you're comfortable there, then move to real life speaking. It definitely helps. So um, highly recommend if, if you want to get started in speaking, try this one out. Um, yeah. might be a good starting point for you okay next we have a trio of related blog posts from ben nadal about threads yep get ready to hurt your head <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it seems that uh this started by ben exploring the task type of thread in lucy i don't know if that also exists in in Adobe Cold Fusion. I don't think it does. Okay. So this is a, a thread that you give it a, a timeout, uh, not a timeout, a retry period. And every so often it's going to spin up this thread, run your code. Um, you can think of it kind of like a scheduled task in that. Um, but he was using this to start other CF threads. And he has, again, three blog posts that are going through his explorations in that. Yep. And, and videos. He, yeah, he has this video, 20-minute video about this. And you want to watch the video if you're going to try and pay attention to this because <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, basically, he's running his, you know, traditional demon threads. But if they fail, it'll restart them. So he almost has it, you know, like a persistent background thread that keeps making sure things are running the way it should. And it's It's pretty neat. I mean... He does go through, obviously he provides a lot of uh, detailed code in here, and he's using the Redis um, for this example. But yeah, so this is one of the blog posts, and then he had another blog post where he was figuring out the request timeout settings. Uh, didn't quite work the way he expected. Yeah, the basically that request timeout affects threads as well. So if you have a short timeout, um, and your thread's long running, your thread can get terminated. So, And you cannot change the request timeout inside of a thread. Yeah, and that's what I thought was pretty interesting too. So, yeah, he, he set it basically to sleep for, you know, sorry, the timeout to be, what, three, three seconds? And then he actually um, wanted to do inside his thread to basically have a longer timeout, put a sleep for five seconds, and then it would you know, it would basically show up as a dead thread. So uh, pretty interesting. And I'm sure I've done that before myself. So it's one of those things where the request timeout setting affects other settings elsewhere. Um, the last blog post that in this trifecta was about how to terminate CF thread tags across page requests. So thread ta uh, the CF thread tag has a terminate action the thread terminate function in Lucy, but both have to work in the same request. Um, and Ben shows a way to attach a, a thread local function, expose it on the thread, and call it from a different page to stop the thread. It's pretty uh, clever way yeah. to handle that. Yeah, because he talked about before how we use closures to create a CF thread tunnel. Um, but this is basically the opposite of doing that. <laughs> so it's kind of strange using closures. Uh, you know, they can do some interesting things, and he usually finds out how to do that. <laughs> so, so these are three 
you know, uh, really great blog posts and also kind of mind numbing because <laughs> threading. Um, it also made me think of all the cool stuff coming in Coldbox Six, like this, uh, these persistent threads, this task manager. Scheduled tasks are built in now with Coldbox Six. Yep. Um, all using Java's all these, so. completable futures, right? Right. So yeah, if you have, if these things are hurting your head, like uh, know that Coldbox has solved the plumbing for you and giving you the chance, Coldbox Sixes, and giving you a chance just to use the awesome asynchronous programming that comes with Java. Yep. Yeah, because debugging threads has always been the hardest thing, right? It's like, that's that's always made it tough. So, cool. Well, next on our list, we have a blog post from NerdVision. And we've talked about them a little bit in the podcast recently. So that's a, a division of uh, the Fusion Reactor team. And so basically, it's the production debugger piece of Fusion Reactor. And it's available in lots of different languages. Um, and so now supporting Cold Fusion, and so NerdVision is now on CommandBox. So you can actually install from ForgeBox for NerdVision now. So um, obviously they've got strong ties in the Cold Fusion community because they built Fusion Reactor for Cold Fusion. So uh, that's sort of the, the big setup there. But you can set up your name, your tags, your levels, and everything all through um, CommandBox configuration now. So. Uh, if you guys are wanting to look at using NerdVision for, for Cold Fusion and you're using CommandBox, install that from ForgeBox. and yeah, definitely be a, a good way to get started there. Okay, okay. and then last, uh, an, a quick tip from Brad on Twitter about CF dumps uh, and not using them in production. <laughs> and um, yeah. it, it was funny to read the comments on this because everybody was assuming... Um, I don't know, assuming different things, but this happened to be a client who had a long running import task and during the import they dump out various um, uh, bits of the page to know where it was and if they needed to go back and look at it and see why it failed, they could. But the uh, the dumps can take a long time, especially if you're dumping out lots of data, you know, you're dumping out a big query, something like this. In this case, taking out the CF dumps gave an eightfold increase in scheduled task performance. So, um, and they didn't lose any logging. There's uh, other ways to log, send JSON off to a server, something that's a little lighter than rendering HTML to a page that you probably won't ever look at. Yeah, exactly. And most people, you said when they read it, they thought they were dumping stuff out to, you know, a site, but no, it's just for the logging. You know, they just wanted better logs and, you know, more readable logs. But yeah, so Brad said he was using Sumo Logic to, for the JSON, which is, Again, pretty cool to be able to do that. So nice little uh, performance hit there. Yeah. I did wonder when I just read this, it, I know you can do like dump to the console, like CF dump output console. I wonder if that has any performance overhead as well, since it's not rendering HTML. Yeah, I mean, even if you output just like a date with the CF dump, Something as simple as that. If you look at the HTML it produces, it's a lot. <laughs> like there's tons of styles and all that stuff too. And I think right. if you dump more than once on the same page, all those styles are repeated over and over again. So is the scripts that expand and shrink. Mm -hmm. So it's all the other stuff that I think duplicates. I mean, I think if you outputted, you know, a one liner versus a hundred lines, it's not a big difference because it's the, you know, 
the, the original cost, I believe. But that's the last time I looked at it. So, you know, a lot of times if you put things into an array and output it, it's actually better because it only dump once instead of dumping three times or three times the those core files, you know? Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So, okay. So next on our list, we got the find a job. And uh, getcfmljobs.com has a lot of great jobs out there. Um, just this week, there are no new ones. But if you look up there, you'll see that there's quite a few from previous weeks here. Um, there's a lot of different positions and a lot of countries too. So there's five countries right now. We have Australia, India, the United States, other countries, which I'm not sure what that is actually. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of good job opportunities here. A lot of them are remote. Um, some are freelance. Some are full time. So definitely come check out the site. Again, uh, it is a it is a site where you can post jobs to, and it's a Cold Fusion run site. And they're actually on Twitter as well. So we recommend uh, checking this out. They do pull them in from lots of different places, from Indeed, Monster, etc. So if you guys are looking for a job, we highly recommend them. But no new ones this week. Okay, so let's talk about the Forgebox mod of the week. And this week, it's the one we talked about last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> also, last week, we talked about how Brad was working on this Rabbit SDK, and he was all excited to, to release it. Uh, and it, he released it to Forgebox, so we thought, well, let's give it another little talk here, and we'll actually make it. Although, Brad, your CI is failing. Your little badge says your CI is failing right now. So you better get to work. <laughs> Vacation can wait. But um, so yes, yeah, so this <laughs> RabbitMQ SDK module, uh, he actually implemented it this week. Uh, it's actually running it live in a, for a client. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really nice way to work with RabbitMQ, this open source message broker. Um, and so he's working with it. It's being deployed on Docker in a swarm. Um, they're using it for um, basically their scheduled tasks. So this probably ties into that CF dump problem he ran into as well. And so basically the scheduled task queues up a bunch of different um, tasks they need to run and then the RabbitMQ uh, listeners are basically consumers are listening to that they go through complete those processes if there's any problems and they die then it's put back in the queue and something else can process it so he has that working pretty nicely um, so it's up here on Forgebox now um, you know easy to install with Forgebox box install Rabbit SDK and just a couple of settings in here just to get the the rabbit SDK path and everything and away you go. Um, it does have some some pretty good options here. So you got the you know set up your channel and your messages and then the rabbit client. Um, but pretty thorough and it's a working version now. So uh, definitely check it out. A lot of good a lot of good pieces in here and I'm thankful Brad did it because I've really wanted to work with RabbitMQ for a while. Uh, I know Luis has done a few presentations in the past showing it how to work with it different languages, but you know this takes all the Java stuff out of it, and make it much cleaner. You know, there's a lot, a lot nicer, just simple cold fusion, uh, and away you go. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to use this as well. You, you can think of even something as simple as sending an email, putting it in a queue, and working that on the background. You know, save your users three, three four seconds while you used to send that email. Yeah, awesome. Or the other cases where you spool stuff in Cold Fusion, you spool the mail, and then it sits in a mail queue that you can't see, and then eventually you find out that your mail's stopped sending for two months because someone went and changed the password on that account. 
which, <laughs> right. is, which I've had a client say, why is my email not working? And then their admin says, oh, well, I didn't know you had that email account. And then look in the logs, and sure enough, there's all these emails sitting there because they hadn't been sending. So, uh, yeah, a message queue would solve that problem because you'd at least know right then if it was going to be put in the queue, you could at least do a queue list. And, yeah, some definitely some benefits. And there's a lot of functions also- in this. There's also some neat stuff you can do with message queues because they are um, between languages, you know. So if you wanted to implement something with WebSockets and you, like, say you're on Lucy, you could have a, a Socket.io server in JavaScript listening to your RabbitMQ messages and posting those as WebSockets. So some pretty awesome stuff will be possible. So thanks for getting that done, Brad. Yeah. And thanks, I think... I'm looking at the Forgebox page. I believe, yes, thank you to Avoya Travel, who sponsored that module. Yep, very cool. And like I said, if you haven't seen that uh, Polygot version of that, um, Polygot Qs, I think it was, from Luis from a couple of years back, uh, I think the video is online. You should definitely check that one out, too, because I think he does one in Node, one in Java, one in Cold Fusion. So all three of them are feeding off the same queue. It's pretty neat. Okay, so next up we have our VS Code hints, tips, and tricks of the week, and this is a pretty new um, one. It's even in preview, but it's the profile switcher that you talked to me about last week. So you want to tell me about a little more? Yeah. So as we've launched CFCasts, all of us are trying to find out the best way to have our editor for screencasts, which is different than how we use it, you know, day to day. And the profile switcher is nice because we can keep all our personal settings in one profile, tweak the one for presentations, get it exactly right, and save it, and then just be able to switch back and forth instead of having like a list of settings that we have to change and remembering to zoom in and choose a different theme because maybe our theme is a little hard to see on the screen, things like that. So. It's basically, it will save all of your settings, any extensions. Uh, I believe it works on the user level, not the workspace level. So any of your user settings, you can save into a group and then switch back and forth. Um, If you're not doing screencasts like us, one place that this is super nice is if you want to switch between a light and a dark theme, but you have some other changes that you want to have happen. Um, Maybe you need to switch some terminal colors or a terminal theme as well you know, switch a font, you want to switch those out. So you have the options here. Yep. Uh, It looks pretty simple. Just, yeah, you tell it when you want to save your profile. If you want to open a new one, just save the profile, open profile, and just pick your profile. So simple but effective. So pretty neat. So I will definitely be playing with that one a little bit as I try and get my VS Code stuff out. So very cool. Okay, so that gets us to the end of the show where we're going to be showing off our list of beautiful Patreon supporters here. Uh, We want to thank them for personally supporting our open source initiatives. uh, And obviously, um, their money helps support this podcast, but also other tools for orders like Commandbox, Forgebox, Coldbox, Testbox, etc. So we have a lot of great tools out there, and they're not possible without support from the community. Uh, so financial support is a big part of it, but also thank you to everyone who files issues and pull requests and documentation. Uh, it's all really helpful, and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you. 
So, but those who are spending their hard-earned dollars to help us financially through Patreon, we give you a special thank you. So, I think it's your turn, Eric. Let's do it. Thank you to Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Van Setten, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, DJ Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McCain, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mathur. Thank you for supporting the Modernizer Die podcast and Order Solutions. Yep, and if you go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors, you can see all of our sponsors there. Uh, we keep that list updated, and we also have some corporate sponsors there as well. And again, uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, there's lots of packages there, so if you go check that out as well. But thanks again for all those supporters, one way or the other, uh, helping us. Uh, hopefully you guys can test out Coldbox 6 and uh, file any issues you do find in case uh, we missed any. But hopefully you guys can try Coldbox 6 out and let us know how that goes. And uh, don't forget all the great content on CFCast. So thanks very much, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizerdie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.